Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome everyone to episode 92 of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox, and please allow me to introduce my co-host, Mr. Rick Villanueva. Well, hello, everybody. Happy holidays to the galaxy. However you celebrate, Hanukkah just finished. Christmas is coming. Happy Star Wars Day to you, my friend Peter. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing really good. Happy Star Wars Day to you. Happy Star Wars Day to all of our listeners out there, but let's also give a very special Happy Star Wars Day to our other co-host today. Joining us today in the pilot seat just to my left please allow me to introduce the one the only miss eden gray hi this is a really exciting star wars day it is you glad to be back in the pilot seat i figured you'd be yeah. excited you want to you want to drive this one in certain areas you know yeah right. always how are you doing today i'm good it's a good sunday it's lazy and i don't have much work coming up in the next couple weeks so Staycation time soon. You know, I got a similar situation going on. What about you, Rick? How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. You know, the sun is out. I got some last minute uh, Christmas shopping I got to handle in the next today and tomorrow. Hopefully I'll get that done. So, you know, no stress, no pressure here. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, this is also a special day for you, man. This is. Did you remember that this is your 25th episode of Jam Transmissions? You know, I'm glad you brought that up, Pete. <laughs> I really, really am. You know, he it, knew. It's, he knew. <laughs> it's hard to believe it's been uh, six months. It's been half the year, um, wow. and it's been every Sunday has been just wonderful and fun and cathartic and therapeutic and all the things that I wanted out of you know, being involved in a community. And I'm so grateful that you asked me to come on. And here we are 25, 25 weeks later, 25 episodes later. And uh, I feel like we've, uh, we've hit our stride. So um, here's to thousands more <laughs> Star Wars days uh, to yeah. come. Yeah, we ain't gonna stop, man. And it's been such an honor having you on board, man. And it's hard to believe that it's been 25 weeks because time really does fly when you're having fun. And it's just, you know, it's a uh, like you said, man, every Sunday is a special day. Every day is Star Wars Day, but these Sundays, there are super special Star Wars days. And I, I love sharing my fandom with you and Eden and with everyone else out there. And they share with us. It's just great, man. I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing really good today. I'm feeling really great. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. And as Eden said, very, very special day. I see you making a face over there. Eden, you got something to say? I want to talk about my week. All right. Well, let's go right into our week then. I'm ready. What's your week like? I finished two Star Wars books this week. Ooh. Yeah. I finished Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark, and they were both great. And I recommend reading them together. (laughs) Or, you know... Yeah, at the same time. How do you challenge read a, yourself? Read two do books it. at the same time. They're very different. One is, you know, adult novel, and one is a young adult novel. They, I can't say anything else. I'm not going to ruin anything. <laughs> but they were quite good, and I liked them a lot. And I feel like even after finishing those two books, I still have only scraped the very tip of the surface of the iceberg of the High Republic era. Um, like they were, those were two really great long adventures sort of related. Um, and, but, but I'd feel like I still know nothing there. Each book mentions, you know, places and things and events. And I'm like, I barely know anything about them, but I just finished two books. (laughs) There's so much more. So they were really great. That is really exciting. Rick, have you read them as well? I finished Into the Dark uh, the other yesterday in the morning, actually. Uh, so I was lucky enough, just like you, Eden, to get an advanced copy. I also have a copy of A Test of Courage waiting. And I started that yesterday, but I'm, I think I'm in like the second chapter of it. So, and that's going to be, it's a lot shorter. That's what I so. meant. That's not, that's not what I said, is it? No, you said A Light of, light of the Jedi. I meant A Test of Courage by Justine okay. Ireland. I don't know. Okay. I mean, some things do get confused when reading two books at the same time. But. See, I knew it. You've, <laughs> you've gone cross-eyed. I, I knew it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I still feel like I'm really behind you guys right now because I've got to wait until actual release date. And I know that um, I'm not alone in that, so I don't feel too bad about it. Yeah. What else was your week in Star Wars like, Eden? Um, I played some The Old Republic yesterday. Yeah. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, guys, we uh, we finally started streaming on our YouTube channel again, and I think we're going to try and aim, not, maybe not every Saturday, maybe some random days here and there, but maybe once a week we'll try and do a little stream on YouTube. Uh, Eden and I, we started up two Sith characters. We made our characters completely separate from each other. Like, I couldn't see his screen while I was making mine, and we ended up making, like, the same character. <laughs> <laughs> also, I got um, Baby Yoda Monopoly. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. It just says it's Monopoly and it says Star Wars. And then there's a little Mandalorian logo like tacked on the bottom. It's the smallest thing on the box. Yeah. Like I could have probably made this image myself in paint. But the biggest, the biggest image is Grogu. Oh, yeah. He's adorable. And... I had to pick it up at Kroger. They they put up all these special holiday displays and bam, a Star Wars toy display. And it was a bunch of Mandalorian themed Hasbro games. And I had to get this one because even though I hate Monopoly, it's just, it's all Grogu's adventures looking for things that he likes. Like every person plays as Grogu and the goal is to collect shit that he likes. So like, awesome. <laughs> Sign <amazing>. me up. <laughs> yeah, another fun game to play. 
uh, during our time off in the holidays. I think uh, there there were two others. Wasn't there a trouble? And what was the other one? Operation. Operation. <laughs> you know, we, we got to get those two. You take the things that Baby Yoda has eaten out of his belly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to think very hard about these games. <laughs> that's hilarious. It's so, Grogu. Yeah. He'll sell anything. Yeah, if you guys have played it, let us know. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that was me. Nice. That's a good, solid Star Wars week. And uh, what about you, Rick? Um, well, you know, just like Eden, I I did finish um, Into the Dark. I started it on Tuesday, and I finished it yesterday. So like three, four days just sitting down and reading the thing while Isaac was doing school. And um, we'll get into full reviews later on once all three of us have, have read it. But just kind of initial thoughts Claudia Gray is a master of writing dynamic relationships. She catches people in flux. And I love that she has a way of defining people in a way that they keep a through line, even though you see them kind of change or adapt. Um, the tone of this book is was a little unexpected, um, but not in a bad way in, in the least. Um, she touches on some it, tone, like tonally, she touches on some things that I wasn't really expecting. And, um, it was, it was a really good book. Uh, so when everybody gets their, their hands to their chance to get their hands on it, I, I do recommend it. And anybody who knows star Wars books, Claudia Gray is kind of the pinnacle of the authors, uh, anyway. So, um, do yourself a favor and get yourself a copy of that when it comes out. And like I said, you know, test of courage. I just started it yesterday. Um, I, I am looking forward to it cause it does seem more fun. It is a younger reader book. So, um, I, I'm interested to see how Miss Justine Ireland, uh, writes these characters in, in her book. And, uh, she just had a birthday a couple of days ago, Justine Ireland. I um, love that book there. I'm sorry to jump in again, but there was a particularly ridiculous droid and I, I, I love them. Yeah, we got introduced to that droid in in the uh, the chapter excerpts that we got. I mm-hmm. love J- that J six so much. Really? <laughs> yes. Know. You know, both both of these books have characters that uh, just from the excerpts that we've read that, that I've read for a test of courage. I'm meeting J six and how he's or this you know the droid is more how was it Avon Staros is like trying to change the programming of the droid as, as they go along and it's kind of adapt kind of in its own ways. And then mm-hmm. into the dark has a, I'm not going to say anything about the character, not even a name, but there was a character in into the dark that when first introduced, I was like, what the hell is this? And then by the end of the book, it was like, I absolutely love this character and I need more of this character. I have um, to say, I felt like that about, several of them so there's no spoilers in his comment like there were a lot of them i was like what the hell claudia gray but it all turned out great yeah but there is just the one specifically where the 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 introduction i was kind of like well how the hell is this supposed to work for the rest of the book and she found a way to make it work so i'm I'm not going to say anything more than that because spoilers um other than that other than the uh, the book reading stuff i um since we didn't talk about our weeks last week i managed to get um the Black Series Beskar Mandalor- Mandalorian. Um, I ordered mine from Skyward Fun, uh, which I've ordered from before, and uh, came in about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago now. And, uh, you know, it's just Beskar Mando. Looks great. I'm glad I got it before the end of the season just to kind of like have it to stare at um, while we're watching the uh, the episodes and stuff. And, and um, it's, it's a pretty 
awesome looking figure, you know, like compared to the the first one where he was still wearing kind of the brown patchwork and stuff like that. So it's a, it's, it's a really cool looking figure. And then to have him side up side by side with uh, the little Grogu, you know, half inch tall black series figure. Yeah. Um, it's just comical that they, <laughs> I mean, they made it to scale, which is fine, but I mean, it's so tiny and the thing was like 10 bucks or whatever, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but um. Yeah, that was about it for my week. I don't, I can't think of anything else we really got into. Um, but what about you, Pete? What'd you get into? Nice that that figure. I, I want that figure too. So nice, nice find on that one. Um, as far as my week, uh, aside from the streaming the Old Republic with Eden, you know, we played that for over four hours on Saturday yesterday, and there was there were people in the chat the entire time. And man, thanks so much to everybody that came out and chat with us while we were playing. It was a real blast. Um, starting to explore Korriban a little bit and um, learning a little bit about Sith sorcery and, and the assassins and what it was like uh, being uh, in the academy and kind of working your way up to becoming an apprentice, meeting the Sith species. It actually has a species, if you guys didn't know that much about the Old Republic. Uh, before, you know, the, the Empire comprises every like every species, but there is a Sith species as well. So it's kind of cool. And uh, if you guys want to check that out, uh, there will be a link to our YouTube channel uh, in the show notes. Um, but aside from that, man, last week, I know, like you said, we didn't talk about our weeks last week, but I did get Star Wars Insider number 199, the December 2020 and January 2021 issue. And I'm pretty excited about that because, you know what? I'm not completely left behind here. I've got a little High Republic content as well. Uh, there is exclusive fiction by Chucky Soul. And it's probably, I don't know, it's it, it's it's formatted kind of different. I don't know how, how many pages you would call it because magazine pages are big and you can, you know, you can have it look a certain way, but there's a, there's a decent little short story in there and it was kind of cool. Uh, looks like this high Republic is going to take advantage of a very large world, um, to examine its depth, uh, through different characters. Um, what we've learned about in the excerpts about the starlight beacon and such. Um, I think that there's room for, hundreds and hundreds of characters for us to explore. So I recommend everyone that uh, hasn't got a Star Wars Insider uh, subscription yet to go ahead and look into doing that um, because this is it's going to be coming out every month. And I think the next one's going to be Chucky Soul as well, but I don't know um, for sure. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of other articles in here, like uh, Ahmed Best interviews, uh, stuff about ILM X Labs award-winning VR experience, Vader Immortal, um, interviews with Ashley Eckstein and Sam Witwer and E.K. Johnston. And I mean, it's nice to actually hold this thing in your hands too. You know, we live in a time where everything is digitized and magazines and newspaper articles are all, you know, read them on the tablet, read them on your phone. But like I've said s several times on the, on the episode or on the podcast is that I I'm a big comic book guy. I truly enjoy holding the paper in my hands and um, growing up with magazines as, as a source of news throughout my whole life. Uh, it's just really nice to finally have a subscription again to something. And the fact that it's star Wars makes it even more special and uh, yeah, highly recommended to everybody. And uh, Rick, Rick, did you manage to get one yet? No, I have been oh. to maybe three or four stores close to me that I've seen the magazine in previously, previous to this issue and cannot find it. 
Damn, I'm sorry I, to hear that. I, I th- I'm, I'm pissed, but I'm, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I thought about uh, just buying a digital copy of it just so I can read the um, the fiction, but I, I figured, you know, I don't really see any. I, I mean, you know better than I do having read that one thing, but, you know, Eden and I have read some other things. Um, so, like, you, neither one of us could say, like, if it's required reading before reading any other thing. Yeah. Um, so... I'll get my hands on it eventually. I'm not ultimately, you know, I'm not too worried about it, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a little pissed off that, you know, stores that I've seen the magazine in, in the last couple of months, I just, I can't find it. So whatever. It's, it certainly doesn't feel like mandatory reading required reading. Um, it just feels like it's fleshing out the world of the, the high Republic. And I feel like I can say that without reading the main stories so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to read everything, if you like, you know, like you and I and, and Eden do, we, we like to get everything that we possibly can. So that's why I would recommend it and to our listeners as well. But that's it for my week. And I think we got all of our weeks covered here. And uh, what, what do you say we get into a little bit of news? We got a few things to talk about before we get into... Uh, the meat and taters of the show. Yeah. A couple of news things, guys, you know, we didn't really cover any news last week. Um, but last week's show notes had all the things that we might have talked about. Um, so if you're curious about anything you might've missed, you can go back and check episode 91's show notes for some things. Um, this week we're only going to talk about a few things. There were some bits, um, but only really a few that are notable as far as I'm concerned. Um, we got an announcement this week about a High Republic panel that's going to be taking place on January 4th. Um, it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be a live stream panel or kind of a recorded thing, but it's going to be on StarWars.com and on the Star Wars YouTube page. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Michael Siglane and Christian, Kristen Baver, I believe. Um, the five authors from the High Republic are going to be involved, obviously talking about the releases that are going to be coming out in just a few weeks. Uh, from today and uh, any future projects as well. So one of the things that it said in the announcement is that there will be new announcements and new reveals uh, discussed in the panel. So probably some more book announcements, uh, maybe some more concept art, things like that. We, you know, things that they've been kind of feeding to us over the past couple of months is something that we'll get uh, in the panel. So that is going to be January 4th. Uh, 12, I think it's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, if I have my times written down correctly. Um, but uh, either way, you can check it out, the articles on StarWars.com, if you want to get more details about that. So, um, yeah, High Republic, just a couple of weeks away. Um, it, it's one of those things now, I, I just want to get this off my chest. Like, I feel really fortunate to have been able to read something ahead of release since everything is coming out at least the first wave of it is all coming out within a few weeks of each other. You know, we've, we've got what three books and two comics that are going to be coming out within a matter of three weeks, you know, from, from one to the end of it. Uh, and then, you know, series of comic books. So, you know, I, I can see it, people falling behind uh, kind of quickly with stuff like this, if they do plan to read all of it. So um, for my part, I'm glad I got, you know, I got the chance to get the jump on some of it ahead of time. So, um, the, there is one other bit of High Republic news that this one, uh, you know, I'm sure some people caught on to it, but it seemed like it kind of um, didn't grab a whole lot of attention. But there is a Chinese language uh, book that is is being released right now in chapters. Um, we'll have the link to in, in our show notes to it. But the book is, let me pull up my notes here. It is called The Vow of Silver Dawn. 
And uh, this was uh, from an article from a Jedi Bibliothek, which is a, a German um, like Star Wars book page. And in it, it is going to be following the story of a Padawan named Sean. Um, the author of the book is credited to a pseudonym, and the pseudonym translates to His Majesty the King. Now, I don't know much about Chinese literature, if this individual is very well known, has written other things. I don't know. Um, intriguing nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> um, as as of today, um, I looked it up on Wikipedia. There are seven chapters of this book available to read. There are links to them. Um, again, we'll have a link to kind of the main site for this. They're in Chinese. Um, but if you, you know, I was able to look on my phone and you can do like simplified um, translation. And I haven't read any of it yet, but they are available that way if you want to check them out. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll probably get a full English version of um, of this book. But uh, back to Sean, it says that he is a Padawan who has a secret and he is torn between his loyalty to his master, the Jedi Council, and his own interests. It will fit into the current canon uh, and it will kind of go into the relationships between the Jedi Order and some of the Outer Rim sectors. Um, the most interesting thing about this book that I've come across is that this book takes place about 50 years before The Phantom Menace. Um, and there is a, a date on the Wikipedia page. It says 82 BBY. You know, we can speculate as far as like anything that's in Legends now that they can throw into that. I don't know how much of that will be involved. It seems like the point of this book being written by a Chinese author for a Chinese audience is to try to bring in more of the Chinese market um, into Star Wars. And um, if this is a way to be able to do that and kind of, kind of bridge the divide there a little bit. I'm all for it. I do want to read this, um, but I'll probably wait until all of it is available to read uh, since this is far removed from everything else um, that's being um, dropped in the High Republic space. But have you had a chance to look into any of this at all? No, but that's awesome. So I'm going to have to fire up Google Translate. I think, um, you know, it's not always reliable, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But um I think I think I'm going to do it a little different. I think I'm going to go chapter by chapter and then try and make sense of of the bulk translation that it gives me and then try to like rework it a little bit into something that makes sense to me. And uh what what do you think, Eden? It's really exciting. It's, yeah. I don't I don't have anything specific to say except wow. That's awesome. I can't believe they're putting it out in that market of all the things like I hope it works. I hope that it it gains uh, a big following and a lot of new audience and a lot of new people to join the conversation. And heck, I want it soon for myself. Yeah, that I agree with all that. But something else you said, Rick, just completely slapped me in the face. Did you say that this is part of the High Republic? Yes, this book is. Now, this is interesting. I was kind of looking it up back about a year, a little over a year ago. There was an announcement that a Chinese language book was going to be coming. Um, I think it was October of 2019. The announcement came and then it just disappeared. And I remember it was something that I think I brought up with Tom Link Saber recording with them uh, back then. And this is it. So uh, it is in the High Republic. We kind of, you know, it gives us a better sense of, you know, kind of what dates are as far as the High Republic is concerned. You know, it, you know, the idea that the High Republic ends with the the fall of the Jedi, if we're going to call that its own separate era. Um, 
you know, it, it is, it's very, very interesting. You know, this could be something that if it doesn't, uh, if it isn't um, like widely popular, if a lot of people don't read this, you know, with the Leslie Headland series, which is also taking place towards the end of the High Republic, there could be some overlap there. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's kind of what slapped me in the face there is that you said that it takes place 50 years before the Phantom Menace and that it is considered the High Republic. So that does kind of help us place where Acolyte is going to go. But it also begs the question, how much earlier is our books like Light of the Jedi and Into the Dark taking place and like compared to this? So what is it, 200, 200 years before that? So this would be... 150 years difference, but still the High Republic era. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool if I'm getting my numbers right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's good to know that they're really willing to play with this, the idea of time in Star Wars. Um, you know, this, this book is kind of the catalyst for its own kind of sub-era within the larger era, you know? And, and I really hope that this does catch on, that people do catch wind of this book. Um, because, you know, it's one of those things that you, you don't want to miss out, you know, we're, we're canon junkies. We want to, you know, consume all of it and kind of have that knowledge of it and just be aware of it. And, um, you know, it, it is, it's very, very intriguing to think that, you know, they're willing to explore this part of that timeline. So, but yeah, like I said, we're going to have links to this. There was a video, um, on one of the web pages. It's about three minutes long. They talk about the, uh, the introduction of this. Uh, story, you know, why they wanted to have it um, written Chinese language. Kathleen Kennedy is in the video for just a brief moment. Um, so it's it's an official Lucasfilm thing. Um, so, you know, don't sleep on it. You know, like I said, I haven't read any of it yet. I haven't really explored anything other than these articles. Um, but uh, if and when you do, let us know what you think. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, last bit of news for this week, guys. Um, we got the unfortunate passing news of um, Jeremy Bullock. He was the original Boba Fett uh, in the original trilogy. Uh, he was 75 years old. He passed away from complications of Parkinson's disease. Um, you know, for a lot of us fans, Jeremy Bullock was a mainstay at conventions everywhere. Um, he not only was he the man, you know, un- under the helmet. He built this reputation of being super friendly, just the nicest guy you want to meet. I, I've never met him, but just from all the stories that I've heard, you know, he was more than willing to take time to spend and hang out with fans. He, I would see pictures. I've seen pictures of him on on like Twitter this week where he was having dinner with fans, just groups of people, and and you know, sharing his time with his wife Maureen um, and all of these people that came to love him as you know as himself and as the character that he was on screen. Um, besides Boba Fett, he did, he was on screen unmasked, um, as two different characters. He was Lieutenant Shekel, uh, who is, grabs Princess Leia in The Empire Strikes Back. And he was Captain Colton in Revenge of the Sith, uh, for just a second. Um, he also starred, uh, not starred, but he had some roles in, uh, two James Bond movies, I believe. And he had some shared screen time, uh, with some other Star Wars actors, previous to Star Wars on Doctor Who. Um, he uh, did some work with Christopher Lee, uh, David Prowse, and one John Hollis, who played Lobot in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so we uh, we say farewell to Jeremy Bullock. 
Uh, again, he was 75 years old. He is survived by his wife, Maureen, his three sons, and 10 grandchildren. Uh, he will be missed, especially now, you know, just two or three weeks, you know, removed from the passing of David Prowse. Um, we had these guys who shared screen time together that are now, you know, one, one with the force, as as we say. So, uh, Godspeed, Jeremy Bullock. We um, condolences go out to his uh, family and friends and anybody who knew him. Yeah, this one, this one really hit me when the news came because uh, he was the first Star Wars actor that um, that I ever had an autograph from, and I think it was in '95, maybe '96. He came to a mall that was either in I think it was in Knoxville, Tennessee, because we lived in Maryville, Tennessee at the time, and my brother brought me home. Uh, a Boba Fett or Jeremy Bullock. Uh, it was a black and white photo of him shooting a blaster. And it said to Peter, stay cool, Jeremy Bullock. And it, it was just so cool to have that. And, and like, I didn't even like uh, frame it or anything. Like, you know what you do when you're young, you put a push pin right through it and you stick it on the wall. But um, I met him again, probably, I want to say three or four years ago, he was at, um, he was at a Lexington Comic Con here, and my brother went away from his booth because w- whenever there are people that are really important to us, like we did this for William Shatner, a couple other uh, original series Star Trek actors and actresses, or Star Wars actors and actresses, and we went uh, to go meet Jeremy Bullock again together, and my brother had this sweet poster, right? And it was like, it was the Empire Strikes Back, and then there was a a return of the Jedi poster. And it had pretty much every single autograph that you could get on it dead and living. And, and I, the memory makes me laugh, but it sucks. But Jeremy Bullock was signing the return of the Jedi one and his, his pen exploded. It was a silver. Marker. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know why I'm still having this reaction, but I burst out laughing. And I, I could not control myself. It was such a d- thing to do, but I couldn't stop laughing because everybody was like scuffling around the table, trying to get tissue paper to kind of <laughs> clean it up. Oh, man. man. And that we managed to make it right. My brother's eyes about popped out of his head, but <laughs> it, it, it ended up being okay. And it looks great. It's great. But you know, everybody described him as the quintessential English gentleman. And he was so gracious and kind and sweet and a wonderful man to talk to. And it, it it wasn't even, even if you're not talking about Star Wars and his role and his interaction with him, small talk was nice with him. He's, he was so good, such a good person. And yeah, this one hit me hard because I have, I have a couple of really solid memories with him. And so, yeah, rest in peace, Jeremy Bullock. And, and thanks for making such wonderful memories for fans all over the world for decades. So rest in peace. That's all I've got to say about that. Is that all we got uh, before we talk about Mando stuff? That's it for news. And uh, we've got a lot to cover. So let's get into a little bit of... Just soak it in, guys. Soak it in. 
let it become one with you. That is the last time we're going to be hearing that sound until about next year. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of sad. Because I love that sound bite. <laughs> I know you do. I, I'm over here. <laughs> I know I'm over you here do. just like swinging my hands in the air while it's going. Like, oh man, it's just great. But yeah, as Rick says, we got a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, last week with Disney Investors Day, we did not talk about chapter 15, The Believer. And we also have to talk about the epic chapter 16, The Rescue. So if you haven't seen either of those episodes and you don't want to be spoiled, now is the time to turn it off. Although, why would you be listening to a Star Wars podcast if, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Just do you. But hey, we're ready to talk. Spoiler warnings out the way. Let's hit 15, even though it's kind of overshadowed by 16. But there's a few things to talk about. Who wants to go first? Why do we think it was called The Believer? I th- you know what? I, I think that that's kind of like, as most of these titles go, it's kind of a two-pronged thing. I think that's both Mayfeld and Din. Mm-hmm. You know, they both, I, I've said this before about this season and in past episodes, there's a lot of transition of identity for these characters. And um, I think it's, I think it's kind of both of them. So. Okay. I hadn't considered yeah. uh, thinking about it as, as the Mando as well. Interesting. What else, what else do you think, Rick? This episode excluding okay so let's go back to like episode 16 didn't happen yet chapter 16 hasn't happened yet this was one of my favorite episodes um primarily because of the the bill burr performance uh speaking to valen hess in the um the officers uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in the officers mess that whole thing when they're talking about operation cinder um and uh burn and con and all of that just I was enraptured in that moment. And, you know, anybody else that has a podcast, you know, spent a bunch of time talking about it last week. But for us, like, we've been kind of stewing on it. And I've watched episode 15 three times this past week because at first I watched it alone and then I watched it with Cheryl and then I watched it with Isaac separately. Um, so I had a lot of time to kind of sit with this one. Bill Burr just, he nailed this thing. And it's one of those really things good. that a year ago, you know, if you had told me that, Bill Burr was going to give me one of the more moving performances in a, in a Star Wars anything. You know what I mean? I had a farted in your face and ran off, you know, giggling because it, <laughs> it sounds stupid. But, uh, but you know, he, here we are. And, you know, not only does he, you know, act the hell out of that scene, but he gives so much uh, weight to kind of the state of the galaxy at the time and what it means to be a soldier um, you know, ideas of PTSD and things like that. Uh, it just, it just, you know, it was like a dagger in the heart, you know, with a twist at the end. And then, and then he shot Valen Hess, which I was like, cool. I mean, you kind of saw it coming. Um, that whole scene at that table, the way that, that, uh, um, Pedro Pascal, his movements, you know, he doesn't yes. turn his head. He moves his shoulders. Like he slides the helmet on. Um, it's, it was wonderfully done. Uh, yeah. Pete, what did you think about episode 15? I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I'm with you about the Bill Burr performance. You know, the episode, the, I think it was called The Prisoner from season one, was my least favorite episode. So when when Miggs Mayfield showed up at the end, like, uh, we're going to be breaking him out on the previous episode. I was like, oh, man, really? And then 
at the end of the episode, the first thing I said to Eden was, I can't believe that they made me like Migs Mayfield. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about it. Um, the other thing that really stood out to me in this episode, I mean, there were plenty of things that stood out to me, but I think the one thing that got me cheering the most was when he shot Valen. And that was incredible moment because Eden was was kind of giving a play by play while it happened when he, he started like twitching a little bit. She said, oh, he's going to crack. <laughs> he's going to crack. And I was sitting there watching him and I was like, he he's going to shoot this guy right in the fucking chest. And I'll be damned when he did it. I cheered. It was so awesome because I can relate to that <laughs> because I've got a lot of seething anger built up inside me over a lot of things. And, you know, I deal with that. I'm still a good person, but I hold grudges. And, you know, if you don't like that, whatever. But there are certain situations and people that I do not talk to because it might escalate to something like I would I would freak out, like if, if I had to face certain things. Um, and I'm being very vague about this because I don't want to get into it. But I really identified with with his performance, with with what. Mayfield did right then and there and it felt great to watch that all that emotion come out and I think he said just had just dealing with some stuff and so that was a great thing to see that represented on TV Um, it was a lot of fun seeing that I really enjoyed watching Pedro Pascal without the helmet acting like he still had the helmet on and like (laughs) you you watch him and you can see the helmet that's not there in the way that he moves his head like it was delightful, but also like really just jarring at the same time. Um, I really liked being able to see our, our little rescue team coming together, like Boba Fett flying, the badass, and our, our two badass ladies, Cara Dune and Fennec Shan, just rocking shit up. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with our the crew that, that he's assembled. Yeah, it, it, you were talking about <laughs> the helmet thing. I, I'm sorry to take it away from the crew because they're awesome, but I think we're going to really be talking about that a lot in the in the uh, 16 yeah. as well. But <laughs> he was just pretending like like people couldn't see him, and it was so fucking funny. <laughs> like I don't know if you all have seen Grandma's Boy. It's a Happy Madison film, it, but there's a guy called JP in there. He dresses like he's in the Matrix, and he's so separated from the world. He believes he's a robot, and he he pulls his trench coat up over him in the hallway to like hide up against the wall, and is just confused when people can still see him. It just kind of reminded me of, of that situation. He's like, "Up, oh, I'm not here. You can't see me. Wait, oh, he's talking to me. He can't be talking. How can he see me?" And it, it just. It, it, that's not what was going on, but that's what it looked like. What was was going on, and it was just a lot of fun, just from the outside looking in. I, I love the whole performance of of Pedro and Migs, and I love the fact that he said, "I didn't see your face," and then I was worried about Din being like, "Well, I can't ever put this helmet back on again because of his beliefs as being a child of the Watch." You know, mm-hmm. once I put this on, he said it in episode four, chapter four. I can never put it back on again. Mm-hmm. And so the fa- that shows his evolution. Yeah, exactly. Um, as a person getting away from the trappings and the beliefs of the child of the watch, you know, which I think it's kind of easier to call it like a cult mm-hmm. at this point. 
And he's he's kind of separating himself from that. And I loved seeing him put the helmet back on. That was a really special moment. It was a really special episode. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say too that that scene at the table with Mayfeld and and um and then that uh, that scene doesn't work unless you have an actor like Richard Brake uh, playing Valenhess against them. Yeah, you know, he, he was, was he was despicable. Yeah, he was Joe Chill in one of the Batman movies recently. Um, he yeah, he just like you that whole time I'm picking like I just want to punch this motherfucker in the face. And Bill Burr is just like, I got you covered and blast him yep. in the chest. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so kudos to, uh, to Richard Brake uh, for making us kind of hate him on screen there for a little while. But I, we cannot move past this episode without talking about uh, the coolest single sound in all of Star Wars. <laughs> that seismic charge when he blasts those two yes. TIE fighters. I. I wa- the first time I watched it, I was on my laptop with my earbuds in, and I I knew it was coming, so I just I turned it all the way the fuck up, <laughs> and I was just like, and like my ears, I could feel it, like the my earbuds were like vibrating in my ears a little bit, and then when we first watched it on on the TV, I did the same thing, and Isaac was like, "Why are you turning it up?" And I was like, "Oh, just wait for it," <laughs> and then it happened, and he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man," I'm like, "That's the coolest sound, Ben Burt." felt it in my bones, man. I loved it. Oh, it was so good. It was so good to see that um, aspect of Attack of the Clones come into the Mandalorian. I love all the prequel love that new Star Wars is giving. Agreed. Yeah. Well, shall we? Yeah, I was going to say the episode ends where, you know, the the virtual face-off between Din Djarin and, and Moff Gideon repeating those lines back to him from season one saying, you know, you, you have something I want. And, uh, Gideon's got that look in his face where it's kind of part, Oh shit. And part bring it. Uh, and then chapter 16 happens, which the title of it is kind of no surprise. I mean, a derp, uh, yeah, it's called the we rescue. All, we all knew that was coming. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to start this the way you do, Pete. Who wants to go first? Because there's a ton to say about this episode. I would like to go first because I have a couple of very distinct points and questions that I don't want to forget as we go through it. And I don't want to interrupt anybody later. So my first thing is, oh my God, Mark Hamill. Second thing is, those dark troopers could sense Luke Skywalker. They sensed him. What the hell third thing is it is so amazing how different characters in star wars have their own clear fighting style with lightsabers like it is clear like from the way he moved that lightsaber that it was luke and it's he fights that same way through all of the movies and that just that part aspect of character building visually is so star wars i was really impressed it was it was pretty awesome, all those points. And I, I don't know what to tell you about the Dark Troopers sensing it because I don't have an explanation. Right. But unless unless Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. What you if <laughs> what if Moff Gideon my first thought was, Oh my god, what if he's a Sith Lord? But what if he is in what really, what if he can sense the force? How does he know all these things? How does he know these things? I'm really glad you brought that up, Eden. Because... What if he's being like his his uh, leader is a Sith Lord. You remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about uh, Gideon and I 
you know, just posited the idea that like, what if he was kind of test subject A for mm-hmm. the dark trooper thing? And, you know, maybe he got some of some force sensitive blood or something. We, we don't, I, whether it works that way or not, we've heard mm-hmm. it doesn't, whatever. Um, but the scene where he's laying on the floor and the X-Wing kind of like trips the sensors and lands, mm-hmm. it's only ever said there's an X-Wing, you know, and, you know, cars with just one. And, the look on his face completely changes. Where he yeah. then it's the it's the oh shit moment for him. He was and, terrified, but he he was he didn't see it. He wasn't looking at any screens. He didn't you know what I mean? It, it wasn't clear at least not mm-hmm. in his immediate. Like it couldn't have been clear that it was Luke Skywalker. And to me, I'm like after the third viewing of it this morning, I was like, did he sense a like another force sensitive person being there? Like, is it was at the oh shit for him? It was like, oh man, like somebody's going to come in here and wreck shop. And, you know, he did not have the upper hand anymore. Everything about this episode was him saying all that he knew. He was one step ahead every step of the way, mm-hmm. even after he was captured. Um, by saying, you know, when Din bests him and he says, this could be interesting uh, because he knew that Bo Katan would never accept the Darksaber. Uh, out of combat, even though she does strangely in Clone in Rebels, um, you know, I, it, it's it's a weird like point of contention of like, well, why do, why did she then, but she won't now? Maybe it's uh, because she doesn't consider Mando like a purebred Mandalorian. Maybe and, and did Sabine she take it was. from? Did she take it from Sabine? Maybe she it's did. because Sabine wasn't an adult. <laughs> well, she's also a Mandalorian, though. That's yeah. that's yeah. the difference. Hmm. Um. Another aspect of that is what if uh what if Gideon is somehow controlling the dark troopers like what if they're connected is that how he knows how everything that's going on because they know everything that's going on I, it's just such a I have no idea what's going on there I'm kind of on a different uh different wavelength than you guys when it comes to that I, okay I don't think that he is force sensitive I think the reason he would be afraid of a single x-wing coming in is because he is part of the empire and the empire knows about the single x-wing that blew up the death star and everybody Mm -hmm. knows about the tale of luke skywalker his name has made him bigger than he actually is you know that's also an arguable point Mm -hmm. but he knows what a single x-wing is and it comes in a real time like a real crazy time and then he he knows that the the droids are stopping and and then they are getting crushed, which nothing should be crushing them. Even Din had a hard time with just a, a, a bit of pure Beskar to kill one or to destroy one. I don't think he's force sensitive. I, I think that um, I think that he's just extremely smart and um, he's able to connect the dots in a real great way. And he's a manipulator. But um, if you guys don't mind, I, I kind of want to I want to. I want to <laughs> go ahead. I want to say how this episode affected me because I have never ever been affected by a piece of fiction in the way that this episode affected me. And ever, ever across any media, ever. When Luke Skywalker, when it was like right when it was revealed when you saw the black hand, that's kind of when it did it for me. I, or when you see the the uh the 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 green lightsaber come up 
that's when I was like, I was before that, I was like, could it be? Could it be Luke Skywalker? Oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker. And then you see the green lightsaber. And then I, I took in this breath that I don't think I let out until the end of the episode is what it felt like. During the Luke Skywalker stuff, I started to cry. Like when he was coming through there because I could not freaking believe it. And it was so special and amazing. And with all of that emotion going on right there, then it was time to say goodbye to Grogu. And then I started to cry even more, <laughs> you know, than that. And I, I, I had my hands covering my face and I did not take my hands off of my face and I did not breathe very much until after the credits were done. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but Eden can attest this. I, I got up, I poured myself a triple shot of bourbon and I started smashing drinks <laughs> And I did not say a word for at least 30 minutes. Is that right? At least. Um, I was surprised initially when, I mean, I'm a very, I react very physically to um, TV, movies, things like that. And I had my hands on my face, like Home Alone style, most of the episode. And I looked over, glanced over at you and you did too. And I was like, what? Peter never has, (laughs) he's always just sitting there like a statue, like absorbing the whole thing intensely. So... And then it just went from there and I had, guys, I was uncontrollably sobbing during that 30 minutes. Pretty much. I could not control myself. My eyes were bloodshot. That episode gave me, it did too much to me. And it's a memorable feeling that I will have for the rest of my life. Nothing has ever impacted me as a piece of fiction like chapter 16, The Rescue has done. And so I have, I don't know whether to say it's the best thing ever, but it's the most impactful moment in Star Wars for me since some of the Han Solo stuff in um, the sequel trilogy. That stuff touched me a lot for some personal reasons mm-hmm. and made me cry in, in the movies a lot. But this this did it for me. Did What kind of reaction did you have to this episode, Rick? Um, this episode was a lot. And... Each of the three times that I've seen this episode now, I've had varying reactions to it. So the first time watching it, because I'm sitting, Isaacson's doing his school stuff Friday. I got the laptop open. I'm like in a, in a separate room. And the whole scene where the dark troopers are like punching the blast doors, I like realized that my heart was pounding. Because you knew something was coming up. There was no way those things were going to get through that door because then, like like Gideon said, they were all going to be dead. And I'm just like, I put my hand in my chest, like I was saying, the fucking Pledge of Allegiance. And I was like, just pounding my chest. And then you get the like the little klaxon sound and then the X-Wing comes in and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> the one thing I said I didn't want this whole season, or, you know, or like midway through the season. Here it is. Uh, they gave to us. So I, I want to like quick shout out to David Donovan. I know a ton of other people have said it's going to be Luke, but David Donovan, if you're listening to this, he was like championing this week after week in the Tumbling Saber group. And I was just like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Kind of more to be a, just to be like a dick to him because there was always the possibility. But you know what? It happened. And uh, again, talking to uh, another David in my life from my comic book shop. On Friday, I said, listen, because he knew that I didn't want to see Luke either. You guys knew this. Um, 
I told him, I've never been more happy to be wrong about not wanting something, you know what I mean, in, in, in a piece of fiction. So I love the reveal of Luke, you know, that we don't see him come out of the X-Wing. We see him on, a, on like a colorless screen. So like, you don't know, you don't know it's a green lightsaber right away. You just see it's somebody in a cloak with a lightsaber. And I'm thinking like, holy shit, is it Luke? Is it him? And I'm like, of course, you see the gloved hand. And it was like, oh my God. And I swear to you, everything about my persona went right back to the summer of 1983. Mm. I was five years old again, watching my hero, Wreck Shop. And it hit me so hard, Pete, just like you and a lot of other people in the fandom. A lot of people have been talking like this. It hit me so hard. And I was so happy to see Luke be the hero, right? And what's weird is in the middle of all of it, like one of those other little hints that it's Luke, like if you weren't sure from the glove and the green lightsaber, you see his belt buckle. And there was my stupid messed up brain was like, that's like the rodeo belt buckle. Like when you win the rodeo, you get one. And I was like, that's, that's what he got for blowing up the death star. He got a fucking belt buckle. Like, uh, <laughs> like that's where my brain was for just a second. And I was just like, why does he have this giant belt? Buckle? But he had it in return. Anyway. So, you know, he has this kind of, he has that rogue one kind of Vader moment, you know, he gets oh, in the hallway, yeah. but he's not killing people. He's protecting individuals on the other side of this wall. He's, you know, he's, he's killing his droids. Um, or destroying these droids when the door opens and he pulls the the hood of the the cloak off that's like the second wave you know like the the whole first time watching it it was all just like <gasps> it was just it was shock you know what i mean like there weren't a lot of tears the first time um even though they were they were there it was i wasn't like sobbing and he speaks and i'm like that's mark hamill you know, like that, that's him. And I was really happy that it wasn't Sebastian Stan. I'm sorry to tell the fans out there, but like, I, I, what I didn't want about Luke was I didn't want him to be Luke because he's not it uh, to me. He's not. Um, and then, like you said, uh, Pete, the, the, the handoff of Grogu of you know, him having to leave now. Um, the second time I watched it with Cheryl Friday night, we went out Friday. We went, we drove like two and a half hours away to go see this crazy Christmas light display, uh, in like downstate Illinois. And it was great. Um, they had like all kinds of crazy stuff there. But the the whole time driving there and back, I had this episode in my head. And I was having these just like bursts of emotion of like, that was real. Like this thing happened. She hadn't seen it yet. No, neither one of them had seen oh. it. So I couldn't say anything about it. And so finally she asked me, she goes, did you watch The Mandalorian this morning? And then it's like, I just felt like my heart just went like, <gasps> and like, <laughs> just like overwrought with emotion. And I thought it was going to like, I thought I was going to start crying driving. And uh, I was like, yeah. And cause I had to kind of stay stoic and not give any hints. And she was like, well, how was it? And I was like, we'll talk about it later. And uh, I said, there's There's going to be a lot to talk about. So we go, we see the thing. We, we get home. It was probably about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, get Isaac to bed. And then about a half an hour later, she says, do you want to watch it again? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, just, be forewarned, you know, I'm like, the show's going to be on screen, but I'm going to, I'm going to react. I know I am. So we get to the scene where just when the X-Wing lands, I'm a blubbering mess. I got snot coming oh. out of my nose. I'm just like, just because, I mean, you know, it's coming. You're just, I'm just soaking it all in. I'm just like, I'm weeping. And she's looking at me like, oh my God, are you okay? 
And I'm like, with a, like, like an idiot, I'm smiling, but I'm crying. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. And anybody who saw the Steel Saunders reaction video, like that's how I was the second time around. It was just like hysterical laughter and crying at the same time. It was, it was the weirdest thing. Um, and the episode ends and she was like, again, she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And I said, you know what? The, the excitement of seeing Luke on screen wasn't necessarily the big emotional punch uh, for the episode for me. And uh, I'm going to get really, really personal here for a minute. Um, when he is handing Grogu away, when he picks him up and then takes the helmet off uh, and Grogu touches his face, that scene for me, pre- you guys have heard me talk about my relationship with my dad and in you know his passing a few months after Return of the Jedi came out and why that movie is so uh, special and, and important to me. The, the redemption scene with, with Vader and Luke, the, you know, let me look on you with my own eyes. All of that stuff just always hits me right, right in the heart. Every time I watch it, this scene, it touched me in, in a similar, but with somewhat different way. And, and I'm, I'm going to say something that I haven't really said a lot. Uh, I've told some, some friends and family, but the, I have this memory I don't know if it's a dream or if it's something that actually happened. I'm choosing to claim that this is real. Um, the night that my father died, I, I have this memory, this this something that I woke up in the middle of the night and that I saw him. And he told me that uh, he was leaving and that, you know, my brother and I, we were going to be the men of the family and we had to take care of my mom and stuff, right? That, you know, he he had made his decision about what he was going to do. And anybody who listens to the show or listened to Forest Fest a few months ago, my father committed suicide after some mental health issues and, and other things that were happening. So the handoff of, from Din to Luke wasn't just sad because the child was leaving him. It was It was Din having to come to terms with the idea that he could not provide the life that the child needed that Grogu needed, that he was going to be better off in this other circumstance. And it made so much sense to me on on this personal level, and it destroyed me. The second time watching it, the first time, not so much, but the second time, it just, it hit every tendril of my soul. And it's one of the reasons why I love this stupid space fantasy saga so much is because there are moments like this Throughout all of these stories, even, you know, the EU books, you know, as goofy as they can be, they have moments like this that speak to each of us and all of us on an individual level that makes these stories so relatable, even though they're not real. Um, but this scene brought me back to this, this, this memory that I made that may or may not have happened. And it brought me like a different level of understanding. I had come to grips with my father's motivations as far as this passing are concerned a long time ago. It was, you know, those were demons that I wrestled for years. You know, I was angry for a long time, but I made my peace with it. And then this episode comes up and I get to see my hero on screen. Um, 
in in every way that I imagined him to be. I didn't need this kind of Luke in the sequel trilogy, like a lot of people are arguing about online. It's stupid. Your arguments are to me that I I don't care about any of that. The Luke that we saw in this episode of The Mandalorian was the Luke that always existed to me because that's where he lived in my imagination. He was doing this stuff after Return of the Jedi. I just I never needed to see it until I did. Um, but the emotional side of that gave validation to the way that I felt about um, my father and this memory that that I may or may not have. And um, it made me understand things differently. Um, about uh, you know a really really dark time in in my life in my family's life, but I'm grateful for it um, in every bit you know in in every sense of the word you know I'm I'm so glad that this was something that was on the screen for all of us to share um, and it's like I said I watched it again this morning with Isaac and and it was it was again it was a different reaction you know I wasn't openly weeping and I wasn't shocked like I was the first time. Um, I still welled up a little bit, and but this time I got to experience it through Isaac's eyes, and you know, seeing the way he reacted to it. Because at first he was like, "Is that Cal Kestis?" And like he looked at me, and I was like, mm-hmm. "That's his Jedi, right?" And you know, to that end, you know, I'm I'm really glad you said that. On Friday, when the episode came out, was that's the anniversary date from when we saw Rogue One uh, four years ago. Now, Pete, I remember one time writing into the show or sending a voicemail in talking about uh, the memory of Rogue One because that was Isaac's Vader. He was scary. That hallway scene, that was his Vader. I remember that. This is Isaac's Luke. You know what I mean? Like, And I'm so happy for him that he has this at this time in his life and other kids that are watching this show. Like, That's how they get this hero. That's how they get my hero. That's how they get our hero on the screen. It's different, but it's the same. It's the, like the next evolution of this character, um, even though we know ultimately what his end is like. So, you know, pardon my ramblings there, but like there was there was so much packed into this episode emotionally, especially just those last four or five minutes of it. And um, boy, am I really glad that I have this platform to talk about it um, because for the last you know, day and a half or so. A lot of it I haven't really said openly. Cheryl and I have talked about it, but, um, you know, she understands the personal side of it. She doesn't, we don't, she doesn't have like the, like the geek side of it the same way that I do. You know what I mean? Like she's in it because I'm in it. Um, even though, you know, she enjoys it just as much as I do, but like, it's different. I grew up with it and she didn't. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 um, it's a strange thing to, to like be like sad and happy at the same time. Um, and again, I'm glad we have it. And it's still this episode just on the surface, like has, there's so many more questions levied um, at the end of this thing. Now, you so know, many. like where do we go from here? What is season three going to look like um, in the absence of Grogu? Because I, whatever season three is, I don't expect the child to be around, at least not in the beginning of it. Agreed. I'm I'm really glad you guys got to share your reactions and memories and feelings about this episode um, because I it didn't hit me like that the first time and I didn't know why and it's because you know I'm, I have didn't experience the original trilogy the way you guys did I don't have those memories so yeah thanks thanks for sharing 
Yeah. <clears throat> oh gosh. See, see, like I, I don't know if you know this, but in 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 this silence, this whole time, I've been crying. Same. <laughs> and uh, what I want to say, Rick, is I love you, man. Thank you for sharing all that. And um, yeah, this episode was really special, and um, I I feel myself like going inward again because because it makes me sad. Can we talk about Boba Fett? Does that mean we can talk about Boba Fett? Please. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> because I am openly weeping on the podcast. And this is ridiculous. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, I... I you know I have to say Pete I listen I love you guys too you both of you are just as much family as anybody that I've ever known and I wouldn't share things like this if I, if I didn't feel comfortable uh, doing so but yeah no it's just that you know the 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 weight of of an episode like this of this kind of storytelling you know and it's not exclusive to Star Wars you know whatever your thing is there's going to be moments hopefully that 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 touch you. Um, mm-hmm viscerally like this you know even even to the way like if there's a villain that you absolutely hate like seeing joffrey on screen in game of thrones like i hated that little son of a and i was happy when he died you know what i mean but that's good storytelling that's good acting that's good you know a lot of things um and to have an emotion like this on the other end um and and like i said to have the the means to be able to speak about it like this and you know kind of share my experiences like it's it all of it means a lot um but yeah, let let no let let's move on. We, yeah, not not to be insensitive, but holy yeah, shit! No, no, no. Now, did you guys watch the credits, and then it just happened, or yes. did you? Okay, because I, I I turned it off. Oh no, I, we never uh, turn it off. We always sit and watch the credits. Peter pauses it on you know the cast and the stunt doubles, and we look through that, and uh, we go all the way let the music play all the way to the end. So it happened very naturally. I actually went to like check on the dog, and I heard something that wasn't credit music, and I was like, "Oh shit, what?" And I ran back out to the living room to you know find my husband crying still, but then like, oh my god, <laughs> Jawa's palace. <laughs> What's happening? You know, speaking of all the credits that you see in there, um, it actually reveals Matthew Wood as Bib Fortuna before he appears on the screen. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah, oh, I shit. saw that. I saw that after the second viewing. I was like, wait a minute, that stuff's all there. Yeah, I I didn't read that until the second time because I was still just a a jumbled mess. Uh, but once it finally came on the screen and you saw <laughs> you saw boba or you saw bib fortuna that was pretty exciting like um you know java's palace looked great and then you get the the gamorians and everything uh-huh. and then people getting shot and coming down the stairs it's all just like it's poetry it the, rhymes yeah, the, <laughs> the shadows like the sh- you the shadow that is clearly fennec shand coming down the stairs and then you know who's coming next and then boba fett's silhouette is shadow on on the stone wall perfection I'm glad that we got another McClunky out of this one because that is uh, Greedo's <laughs> yeah. Greedo's last words. <laughs> we did. That, and uh, that was that was pretty much that's one of the only words of Hutties that I know. <laughs> but as soon as he said that, I was like, ah, you, you said it. You're going to die. <laughs> that's the word you say before you die. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. I want to know what kind of alcohol Fennec Shen just went in. Spotchka. Oh, yeah, yeah I guess it, like it is. Spotchka. It's got to be Spotchka. Yeah. 
She sniffs it. Like, of course, you have to. You don't know how long that's been sitting there. Or, like, yeah. what's been done to it. So you, you just got to sniff it. And then she just gets real comfy. Real comfy up there. And they look, they are a fantastic team that I never knew that I that I needed. And in the book of Boba Fett, it's more like the empire of Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> he's going exciting. to rule all. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. What, what do you guys think we're going to get out of this? Swashbuckling desert gunslinger action. And it's coming in a year already. Like, I love it when Star Wars just throws the stuff at you that like, hey, we've already been working on this and it's almost done. Surprise. <laughs> that is exciting. This was, you know, the thing we were hearing rumors for the last, you know, month and a half or so that there's a Boba Fett thing coming. And then they did not announce it at the investor call last week. All Kathleen Kennedy said was that the next chapter of The Mandalorian is coming Christmas 2021. We all assume that was season three. And then we got smacked in the face with the book of Boba Fett. And uh, one of the, uh, somebody who works in Lucasfilm, whose name I am forgetting right now, just, I think yesterday said that, uh, guys, the book of Boba Fett and season three of The Mandalorian are two different things. So this one, they're both happening. That's a relief. Thank you. Yeah. So um, it sounds like the book of Boba Fett will be released first and then Mando season three will come probably shortly there afterwards. Um, as far as overlap of stories, the, the Boba Fett thing seems like it's going to be completely on its own. My, the only hard thing, the, like the hard thing that I have kind of wrapping my head around is I don't, I can't see Boba Fett staying in one place for too long. Um, you know, if he's trying to take over what's left of, you know, Jabba's or Bib Fortuna's, you know, cartels or criminal, whatever it is. I can't see him staying there. And I have a question. Huh. I got a question. He's, he's, I got, a question he's got his armor back and he's got his ship and he's got a kick-ass yeah. sidekick. So he's going to settle down. Makes sense to me. My, my question. Okay. So she grabs the spotchka. She takes a drink. She got metal innards. How does that work? <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> man. It's Star Wars. <laughs> I got nothing on that. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> She does. She has an an engine for a liver, so I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, well, then she can keep drinking forever, I guess. Um, I was really happy to see that Bib Fortuna's staff is the uh, the same as the old Kenner staff uh, from the toys uh, back in the day. Um, that was really cool. And uh, Bib Fortuna's had a. He looks like he's he's uh, had a very uh, fortuitous uh, Java afterlife. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. he put on a couple of pounds. He's been living the high life. You know, maybe eating whatever the the warts, those frog things that Jabba's would used to snack on, um, and I and I, I'm really glad that Fennec Shand released uh, the the Twilight Dancer and shot the chain and let her go. Mm-hmm. That was that was a cool little touch. So yeah, the, no slaves in uh, in Boba's book. No. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. I I don't know what to expect, but when you said that it was going to be taking place, or you expect it to take place before, or come out before the Mandalorian season three, that kind of puts in my mind that this might not be a very long series, if that is the way that it ends up going. So the the rumors were for the Boba Fett thing was that it was supposed to be a limited series, maybe six episodes or something, um, you know, kind of one season. And, um, you know, if, if it's a standalone thing, you know, you know, the, the stories, again, the rumors were that it might have something to do with Boba's time after the Sarlacc and before Mando season two. Um, but that doesn't seem to be the case now if he's going to be sitting on, 
the the throne of now Boba's palace. It's not Jabba's palace anymore. I wonder if the little Bomar monk spider things are still roaming around uh, Jabba's palace. Yeah. You know, people don't talk about the Bomar monks enough. Like that that's that's something really interesting. Like I always thought from you know, that could have been explored more in Clone Wars and such, but yeah, that's a story for another time. <laughs> well, okay, we've uh, kind of reached towards the end of our show. We covered a lot of great stuff, but if you if you guys want to kind of uh, gather your final thoughts, we'll do that and then we'll close out. Sounds good. I, I want to know what our listeners think is going to be coming in Boba Fett's story or what they want to see. Like, we have this really amazing, badass Boba Fett now. What do you want to see him doing? Let us know. Yeah, I, 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 that's something I'm going to have to think about because, like, I, I only saw it for the second time today, and I'm like, what in the hell? I, is going I'm on so here? in love with it already. It left a huge impression on me. Just their their team up is fantastic. I love Fennec Shand. Um, so I want to know what, like, especially what original trilogy fans want out of this. Like, what are you expecting? What do you, what do you want to see? Let me know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Okay. Maybe next week. <laughs> Rick, final thoughts, buddy? You know, we didn't even mention R2. Like, that was oh. another, like, oh my God, it's my boy on the screen. Yeah. Kind of moments for me. Oh. Um, and that was that the was part really cool. that got Grogu to feel comfortable. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know what? R2. The, the, I, I want to say this about the R2 thing. I'm glad I had a moment too. When he kind of looks down at Grogu and then he kind of like straightens back up or whatever, the little the light that's kind of like on the quote unquote face of R2, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it changes colors throughout the movies. It goes from like a reddish color to green mm-hmm. before Luke picks up Grogu. It goes straight green. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like he, he, Sweet. you know, like acknowledges him. But then it was that part of me of like, does he looking at him? Like that's the motherfucker that hit me with a stick on Dagobah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you know, so much, you know, th- th- lots of things to think about as far as what season three is going to bring or the Boba Fett thing. You know, is there going to be a Razor Crest 2 at some point? Is the Mithral going to sell him a Razor Crest 2 because he seems to know about like used <laughs> ships and black market stuff? Um, so, yeah, like Eden said, guys, we want to know what you think. You got to let us know. Drop us an email or a voicemail, the DMs, however you need to do it. But, uh, you know, Pete, what, what do you. Final thoughts on uh, on the season. Well, I do want to comment on R2 as well. I actually got a little bit of headcanon with that little meeting. Um, and it, it Because I don't speak binary. Here's the thing. I think that he looked down and had a moment of recognition and then wobbled back and forth because I haven't seen you since I saw you on Coruscant. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That could totally be the case. Yeah. Oh, and that's why... That's and why Grogu, Grogu he remembers too. Yeah. It's, it's a good memory. Yeah, that's Aww. that's head cannon. Right, Maybe it was R two that smuggled him out. R two smuggled him out by opening up the top of his dome. Grogu climbed <gasps> in, just like Mieber Gascon did in the in the D Squad arc. <gasps> I got to bring Mieber back in. He wasn't in the season, so <gasps> season two of Mandalorian six of ten because no Mieber. Yeah. This this is the way. 
this is the story now. It's it's real for me. <laughs> yeah. So that that's my final thought of the day. So I guess we'll go ahead and start closing it out. Man, this was a good one. But yeah, here are some of the ways that you can interact with us, guys. You can follow Jam Transmissions on Twitter at JTComLink, where we retweet other great shows that you should be listening to, plus the big news of the week. We also post pictures of our acquisitions, polls, now live streams, and topics for upcoming episodes. And we're going to have to figure out what we're going to talk about next week, because there is no... Mando, but we're going to figure that out in a little post-podcast meeting. So be on the lookout on JTCom link to find out about that if you want to write in. But now, as for our personal accounts, Eden, are you still on social media strike? I am. It's been really great, actually. Every time Rick mentions rumors, I'm like, oh, I had no idea. And everything comes as a complete surprise, and it's really enjoyable. So, yeah. Right on. That's it. So if you want to get in touch with Eden, you got to send in some comm link chatter and whether she's going to be on the episode or not, I'll make sure it gets her way. Now, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Wookie Venom. And how about you, Rick? Where can people find you on social media? Guys, you can find me at Cad Bane's Bounty, uh, where the last couple of days I've been curled up in a, uh, on the floor, just collecting my thoughts about everything that happened this season. It was a roller coaster, like Hal Hickel said. I had my booty hole had been like clinched and stretched like one of Mike Harris's earlobes, like all season long. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's been a ride guys. Um, but, uh, <laughs> we want to know what you think, what your thoughts are for uh, the upcoming season three or really anything that's going on in star Wars guys. Um, you can drop us a, vimo- a voicemail or an email and, uh, Pete, where do the good people of the internet do that? You guys got to direct all of your emails and voicemails to comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com, and we will read them or play them on the show. And speaking of Mike Harris, we got to give him a little shout out because he was correct about ripping the Band-Aid off of Grogu's departure from the show. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen at the end of season two. You can't do that. And I was wrong. And you were right, buddy. So be like Mike. Send in some voicemails and emails, and you might make me wrong too. And that's a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of fun to be on that side. So, nice. you guys want to help us out? Tell your friends about the show so that we can keep on building our corner of the community and continue to make this show the positive listener interactive podcast that we intend it to be. Just tell them to go to jamtransmissions.com or they can find us on most podcatchers and definitely on Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you all miss any links to any of the news that we mentioned on the show today, they'll all be in the show notes. And that's going to be it for our 92nd Star Wars Day. We hope you all have enjoyed the show today, and we can't wait to hear from you next time. I say this to all of our friends and listeners out there, as well as my co-hosts, Rick Villanueva and Eden Gray. May the Force be with you. Always. And with baby Grogu. Did you get it? Wasp <laughs> crisis averted. Dude, I while you were talking, I jumped out of my chair and my headphones went flying across <laughs> the room. <laughs> he came right for me. He did. He came right, flying right for your head. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then I ran off like a little baby. <laughs>
And Eden had to kill it. I took care of it. <laughs> That's what I do. I have spoken.